This is Stories from the Storm, a series of oral histories on Hurricane Harvey from Houston Public Media and the Houston Flood Museum. Today, Rice professors Phil Bedient and Jim Blackburn. The two of them see Hurricane Harvey as a pivotal event for Houston, a wake-up call to rethink our relationship with nature and an opportunity to implement changes that will make the region more economically secure and naturally resilient to future storms. I'm Jim Blackburn. I'm an environmental lawyer and environmental scientist and have been teaching in either architecture or civil engineering here at Rice since 1975. And um, I'm co-director of the Severe Storm Center, the Speed Center here at Rice. I'm Phil Bedient. Um, I'm a Herman Brown professor of civil environmental engineering at Rice. I'm the director of the Speed Center, which was formed shortly after Hurricane Ike. And I primarily work on flood warning, flood analysis and flood prediction type systems. So, Bedian, thinking back on Harvey a bit, the um, thing that comes to my mind was that the interest that there was throughout the world on uh, the storm and on the um, both the difficulties, but I think also the uniqueness of the storm. And um, Oh, there's no question. In fact, uh, the follow-on from that was uh, we had a visit from the Japanese, we had a visit from the Dutch, we had a Chinese group yeah, come they, in, yeah, and they're very interested to see not only uh, all about the storm and how the storm impacted uh, Houston and Harris County and, and the, the region, but also what are the next steps and how, how, how are we going to figure out a way to get more resilient in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got the feeling that everyone was sort of looking at, particularly the coastal cities, the areas that had coastlines, were very interested in kind of what this meant in the long term for anybody living on the coast. Because I think many people saw this as a climate-related storm. And uh, the fact that uh, that's going to be affecting everybody in the world. Oh, there's no question. And it was also an interesting storm in that, of course, it came in and it stalled. Uh, and we did not really have a very large surge. In fact, we had almost no surge at all from this event on Houston. And it set, set a rainfall total uh, that exceeded anything that's ever been seen on the, on the continental United States. And you've studied a lot of rainfall, so... I have over the years, and, and I saw Allison in 2001, and we studied Allison extensively for many, many years. We even built, uh, you know, uh, structures and infrastructure to try to, uh, uh, if you will, come back from Allison, for example, for the Texas Medical Center. And one of the positives that did come out of the Harvey event was that the Texas Medical Center really did not flood. I mean, it, what was built there ended up protecting it. Which shows what we can do if we get our minds made up to do something different and a little bit more creative. And that's what's unique, I think, about that medical center project in that there was just a huge effort. It was all in one direction. It was all about protecting a critical care facility, the largest medical center in the world. And they had no choice but to protect themselves to a 500-year level, which is what they chose to do. Well, what do you think about our response so far? You know, you got any well, thoughts I, about it? I think the Harvey response has been very, very encouraging. I, I, by that, I mean I've been encouraged by the political response, the, the leadership response. Yeah, there's been a lot of argument back and forth between the city and the county and the state, and, and I've seen all that, and that's just that's Texas politics. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just what happens. Oh, we're going to see more of that, too. And we'll see more of it. But I, I am encouraged— in my meetings, uh, it's all been about what do we need to do next? Let's do something. Let's do it. And let's do it 
right this time. Let's right. try to do as yeah. best we can with the best minds for flood control and resiliency that we have in the area. Well, I think we're seeing a lot of that. I think I'm probably most encouraged by the structure of the bond issue that's been proposed. I think August 25th, there's a bond issue of, I think, yes. for $2.5 billion for yes. flood control related projects. And for the first time, we really have in this part of the world transparency where the public actually gets to see into the process of how this money is going to be spent and how these projects are generated. Absolutely. And, and that's been your key word for many, many years, transparency. And I saw the list and I'm impressed by the fact that the list is, is widespread. It covers both the east side and the west side and the south side of the city. Uh, every bayou seems to, ha seems to have some uh, measure of resilient improvement going on. And it's written in such a way that, that there's a, quite a bit of wiggle room in terms of exactly what they do on any individual watershed. Well, I think wiggle room's real important. I think we need to have flexibility because I honestly don't think we've got the right concepts yet. I think we're heading in the right direction and that we're making the right um, overtures. I think by asking the public kind of what they're expecting, what they want, and actually opening the process up to the public, so-called transparency, I think that's, and, that's and they the have, key. Yes, and they have even left money on the table for public projects to come into the mix and to be and to be considered and you know i think that's incredibly important also the word equity is in the bond language that was voted on by the commissioner's court and equity is a is an important word here because we haven't always been fair in the way that we've spent money in the oh, past no. and no, um, no. there have been bayous uh, neglected bayous neglected and bayous that have received a great deal of attention that are still being hammered by flood problems that still need more and additional, uh, if you will, structural and or buyout uh, options to occur. Well, I agree with you. I tell you what I'm probably most concerned about, though. It seems like to me that we're talking about generally the same type of thinking that we've been doing in the past in terms of structural projects. You know, I, I, what I don't see is a big vision coming out of this. And I was just curious if you thought, thought agree with me. On I actually agree with that. I agree that there needs to be a big, broad vision about bringing this back to what I would call the Bayou City. Bring back the greenways, bring back the green belt, bring back uh, watersheds that even if they're concrete line, there are ways to go in and to do selected buyouts and do, do selected detention areas and, and, and add in green space that's so lacking in many of the watersheds. Well, you and me are, you know, you and, you and I are on the same page. We on, are. On that. I, I do think it's, it's interesting. I think you can break the city up into three pieces, or at least our problem into three pieces. We've got the west side where we've still got undeveloped land in the Katy Prairie that can potentially hold some water. Uh, then we've got the center, center part of the city, which is really where we can have that bayou greenway system and all of those. Then we've got the coast. And, and it seems like to me we've got to have something to protect us from surge, something that takes advantage of the existing lands that are natural that we've still got, and something that basically integrates our bayou system into really almost a long-term redesign of Houston and of Harris County and, and our thinking. But we're talking long-term redesign, in my opinion. Long-term. We're talking you're not going to see the true benefits of this for a decade or two. It's going to take a long time to rebuild and to get that in place. But there needs to be one singular overall vision. Yeah, but, you know, I'm just sitting here looking. I mean, you and I both know that the projects that are being talked about are not going to solve the 
big storms of the future. Oh no, there's got to be there. There has got to be. Uh, that's got to be part of the long term vision that we not only address what we've got now. The 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 pro and, and one of the things about Harvey, it was a huge wake up call for let's do things different into the future and address these really really extreme events but that Harvey, can occur. Harvey also, I mean, people, you know, in the modeling that we did of the storm surge, I've had many people tell me we were being totally unrealistic. But if we had modeled Harvey and had modeled a Cat Four storm coming into the coast, stopping, going back out into the water, and coming back around and if we had modeled that, we'd have been geniuses because to have, to have predicted that in advance of it occurring, I've 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 been watching floods and storms and rainfalls for some forty two years, and never in my wildest dreams did I ever expect to see a Harvey. If you had modeled that, you'd have been called a fruitcake. What you would have been done, <laughs> probably but, so. But I mean, the point being that we're seeing storms we've never seen before. We are, and we. We're talking about, I mean, I'm concerned that we don't think of the floodplain as being dangerous. Yeah. That in the past, it was just an impediment to development. It was a yeah. kind of a piece of red tape you had to get past. Yes. These floodplains are actually dangerous. And not only are they dangerous, but they're also constantly in motion. In other words, the idea of the floodplain map, you know, let's remap everything to a line and draw on, a, line on, on a map. map. Uh, it, it's, a, it's probably a misnomer, and it's probably moving toward let's evaluate the true risk here and you know in in certain of these floodplains for example in braised by let's look at braised by which i'm most familiar with many of those houses flooded to three four five feet of depth those houses need to be treated and those areas need to be treated i think in a different way than thousands of houses in braised that flooded to less than a, than a foot Right, and, so, and you can't treat those all as being just inside the floodplain or outside the. Seems floodplain. like though, with structural measures, we can help the one foot yes. uh, flooding. Yes. But those that are three feet, six feet, eight feet, it's going to be mean. That, it's going to take big, bold action, taking buying out those houses, turning some of those areas into green space, into storage, into detention, and 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 doing it all along those bayous. And it, it and and that's a way. If you do it properly, it's a way to put. Uh, if you will, a greenway back into yeah. some of those I, I think a greenway is really about the only thing that's going to really make a lot of sense in that we have to give yeah. room for the water. You can put detention into those greenways. Sure you can. You can integrate all sorts of flood control measures there. And this is how it's but, done in the Netherlands. But this we is, need is more do. space. Yeah, and right now space. we are pushed right on the edges of our bayous. And that's all over the county. And, and then I also hear, you know, a lot of times I say that if you look at Fort Bend County and look at some other counties where they use pump storage and where they use some levying and, and because it's so flat. And this is what they do in South Florida. And this is what they do all over the Netherlands. And it's like, we're going to have to get to thinking about pump storage systems because in flat terrain like this, it's really, you know, sometimes there are no other options. Well, the Netherlands are looking also going back to nature oh, yes. and letting nature, nat the natural functions, letting them perform. Sure. And I mean, you know, to me, it's, it's interesting to think of nature as being a creative solution. On the one hand, you almost kind of go, well, what are you talking about? Yeah. But on another level, to take advantage of what nature can do and realize we don't have to engineer it. But I think the other thing is, too, we try to make everybody happy. Oh, and yes. at some point, we yeah. may have to get a little... Hard decisions have to get made. They're going to have to get made. And I, sure. you know, I mean, I work with citizens all the time. You know, right. I, I formed Bayou City Initiative to try to reach out and bring people together to talk about these issues. And, right. you know, the, the whole idea of... of government 
at least in part, is it does make hard decisions at times. Yes, because it's, it has it's to. got to protect the public good. And yeah. you know, I mean, I get really conf- you know, I know, uh, concerned. I think is a better term than confused about our thinking about floodplains and floodplain development. But when we basically allow redevelopment of flood-prone areas, we're putting everybody that's a first responder at risk. Oh yes, all that wonderful uh, kind of. Houston spirit that we saw during Harvey, right. on the one hand, that put a lot of people at risk. A lot yes, of people got exposed to sewage. They got exposed to chemicals Quite in frankly, the water. I'll be honest with you. I was totally amazed that we did not have a lot more deaths during Harvey than we had. Well, and I think I mean, in Puerto it was, Rico, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. In Puerto Rico, you're saying post, um, yes. what is that, post Irma deaths. I mean, oh, yes. But I mean, much, I, much higher than And I'm not so sure that reported. we might not have had a few of those that have gone unreported. But, sure. but sure. I think the idea of putting everybody in the community kind of at risk so that you can go back and redevelop in the flood prone right. area. Not a good plan. I don't think it's a good plan. But the problem is that the financial structure basically doesn't leave people a lot of options. And that's where buyouts and having money available for buyouts becomes so important because I know a lot of people that would have chosen to be bought out right after Harvey. Sure. But six months later, they had to make decisions about do you protect your property? Well, and that's, that's, you know, it's a sad reality that it takes so long for this to come to fruition for, I mean, I know a number of people that just got back into their houses and, and here it is six, eight, nine months later, and and they had no choice. I was up because you, you, what are you going to do for six well, you, or eight months? You you either rebuild or you get you get money right up front for the buyout, or you or you you have no choice but to rebuild. Well, and there's there's loans that can be you can get right. to elevate your house. You can get loans for basically reoccupation is where yes. the system pushes you. Yes. And is. I think it, it's those system issues that I'm most interested in. Right. And that right. I think and that I think that's that's somewhere in the insurance or the reinsurance industry somewhere. Well, there's a piece uh, of it. I think it's also, though, in our overall structure of our uh, mortgage systems, of our financial right. structure. Um, but it's also got to be somewhere in the vision, the long-term vision. Well, it has vision. to be. I mean, that's, that's part of this is having, having alternatives. But, um, but I, I will say, uh, you know, at the end of the day, here I am, you know, however months it's been, how many months it's been since uh, Harvey, I am more encouraged by what I've seen in the last six months than from any other flood we've ever had in Houston. So, I mean, things are moving. Things are going in a, in a, in a, in a direction. And it'll have to be tweaked and it'll have to be adjusted through time. But at least uh, some big money is flowing in. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take big money to fix it. But I think that still it's the vision issue. Because I honestly think the economic future of the region is at stake. I think Houston's at a crossroads and it can go up to become, you know, really realize the prosperity and the uh, promise that it holds right now, or it can can basically turn down. I mean, Galveston really never recovered after the 1900 storm. Galveston went and built the seawall. They thought they were doing what they needed to do. Yeah. But I'm not sure they understood the severity of what happened to them. And I just think that even to this day, they're somewhat disillusioned about that. But I think, I'm not sure we've understood what happened to us is what right. my point is. Yeah, I hear you. And, and, and we, we just got to wait and see what the, what the city leaders and the county leaders, what they do about this. And, and you know, they're, at the end of the day, it's, I hate to say it, but it is all about the economic sort of vitality and future of the city. And, and if that future is going to continue to grow and to rise and to be an expansive, resilient city, 
they're going to have to make a sea change in, in the way they oh, do business. I, I agree. And I mean, it's hard to, um, to get support to go out and basically stake out a position <laughs> that may be very difficult and very uncomfortable for the politicians to get to. Right. Well, again, uh, the storm may be forcing those politicians to uh, take certain positions well, I uh, think that they that, haven't in the past. And, you know, who knows, we may have yet others in our future. So We may have other floods. I, in fact, I have no doubt we will. No doubt. Stories from the Storm is a project of the Houston Flood Museum in partnership with Houston Public Media and is supported by Houston Endowment. Visit HoustonFloodMuseum.org.